provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not want, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We will be looking this evening at verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose as far as the reading of God's holy word. I trust that you are familiar with the phrase multitasking. Basically, it means that the 
desire or the action of doing more than one thing or concentrating upon more than one thing at a time. Some people are quite good at that. Others are not able to divide their focus on a very single focus. And then there are those who seek to be multitasking and probably ought not to. Don't do anything well. Now, if I suggested to you that God has one single focus, it has nothing to do with God's ability, but it has everything to do with God's purpose. If, see, if he so chose, God could multitask with tasks ad infinitum. In fact, that's exactly what he does. He is absolutely involved in detail and every detailed thing that takes place in this entire creation. But his focus is yet a very single focus. And that there is one overall purpose. And that is to make himself known in all his glory. The stars in the heavens declare the glory of God. Ultimately, that has to do with God creating, and particularly with God creating man, in that his glory is made known in that creation. God determined to create a place for man to live in which, in his relationship with God, as an image bearer of God, the glory of God is clear. Now man in his rebellion and fall into sin, broke that relationship. And yet God, in eternity, with the focus on the revelation of his glory, determined to save a certain people unto himself. And so the single focus of God is the salvation of his elect. And in that, God would make known his glory is not that God is not complete without it. It's not that God needs man. It is not that God could not make his glory known without man and without salvation. And yet God has clearly revealed and determined in eternity that his purpose is the salvation of his people. And so we might say that, yes, God is singly focused. That does not mean he doesn't bother with anything else, that he's just kind of asleep about everything else that happens in this world. Not at all. But, in fact, that all things, literally all things, God is fully engaged in. He is absolutely sovereignly involved in every detail not only of your life, but in the entire creation, with this one purpose, the salvation of his people. Once again, we are looking this evening at, uh, continuing to look at the statements of confession that we have uh, in the Heidelberg Catechism, question number one. We have confessed that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. And based on that truth, we go on then to state, indeed, 
that all things must work for, together for my salvation. That all things must work together for my salvation. But you say, Pastor, surely you don't literally mean all things? Yes, precisely. But just think about what is involved in all things. Would you say that there are many bad things which happen in this life, much less in the world around us, which would appear to have nothing to do with salvation? Not according to God's word. Absolutely not. We take seriously the sovereignty of God and his supervision of all things. That's a lot to think about. We cannot put them all together to make sense. How does this? How does that? How does most of what we've heard in the news in the last week or two have anything to do with salvation? But the reality of this truth is fundamentally important as you think about salvation. No, you will not find in Scripture exactly how the person who cut you off in traffic last week or how a head cold, I can go on, how people being killed indiscriminately in schoolyards and wherever in our cities. What does that have to do with my salvation? What you will see this evening is how all of this, in fact, does fit in with God's single purpose salvation of his people. When the gospel of John seeks to tell us of Christ in the beginning of, of John chapter 1, the first seven verses, we have that well-known introduction of Christ. And I will just read verse 7. It says, To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. This is the purpose of God to make known the source of life unto that end the word that is Christ was sent that you may believe we also read in Hebrews 1 the revelation of God by Christ in terms of the work of salvation so God's purpose is to make himself known and we see that again and again in his plan of salvation. Now, let's be clear. God is about God. God is about God. Your salvation is about God. Think of the picture when Isaiah found himself in the presence of God in chapter 6. Before the throne of God, the seraphim flying back and forth, whose sole task is simply uh, to announce and to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord is full of his glory. That holiness, that glory of God is expressed in Isaiah being cleansed from his iniquity. And so when Paul in Romans 8, verse 28, speaks of those who are called according to his purpose. 
that has to do with who God is. And that is reflected in his purpose. God's purpose is simply this. The calling, the salvation of his people, that his glory might be made known. Now, when you think about that for a moment, please do not fall into a common sort of trap, and, and that is the notion that uh, the, the Bible is about you. That is to say, because of the terrible situation that man has placed himself in, all of the terrible things that we see happening in our world in which we live, and that God is then feeling sorry and, and, uh, and that a righteous and just God, when he sees man being in trouble, and that his focus is no longer about God, but about taking pity upon hopeless man. That's a false understanding of Scripture. That same approach sees that the New Testament is having the emphasis upon a loving Savior when the Old Testament is just about a mean and nasty God. No, the Scriptures in the New Testament continues to be about the God of creation whose focus in eternity is the salvation of his people and he carries that out the glory being made known. Important question that we might ask. If it is all about God, if it's not about pity upon man, why should God bother with us? Why should God bother about you and me? God is the one who holds this universe in the palm of his hand. He spoke and there was light. He can and does bring the most powerful to their knees. He could wipe out the creation as quickly as he brought it in. But here's the thing. To say that God's focus is on saving falling man is not to move the focus away from God. It is in fact to zero in on who God really is. Understanding that man is created in the image of God is to recognize that man is the reflection of God. No, we are not God. Satan tried to voice that lie upon us. But we are image bearers of God. God does bother, if I can use that word, because by salvation, his glory is manifested in the restoration of man, the image bearer of God. So yes, God's focus is on you in terms of your salvation. That's the good news. That's the comfort which you and I have. Yet it is a focus by which the glory of God is being revealed. Again, the statement in Romans here by Paul brings out an emphasis. The purpose, according to his purpose, the all things in your life and this creation is what he's talking about here, the purpose of God. The question here is, how does the salvation of man, in fact, show the glory of God? Again, be aware that God has made man in his image. You see, when the work of God, that which he is singly focused upon, is beginning to take effect, what has God done with you? What has God worked in your heart? 
and you begin to see a change in your life. You begin to see what, what David prayed for in his psalm, change in my heart, creating me a, neat, uh, a clean heart. That is, you begin to watch, again, know God, to love God, to serve God. And one of the great traps that we can fall into is they conclude, well, if it's all about what God is doing, if he's the one that's changing me, if he's the one that's saving me, well, I guess I can just sit back and relax and wait to see what God's going to do with me. If that's your conclusion, that you really haven't understood salvation. It means to know God. It means to draw closer unto him and to understand who God is. Paul prays in, in the first chapter of Ephesians, verse 18, that, and he's praying about those who know God, and yet he says, I pray that your eyes would be opened that you might know God in his full length and his full breath and all that there is about God. It means that your love for God becomes richer and fuller could you express your love for God in a greater way in your life? I trust that we would all very quickly say yes, of course. It means that your purpose in life is to serve God. Are you doing all that you ought to in that service? You see, to really embrace the statement that all things must work together for my salvation it means that in all these things, God is indeed being praised. Just think about all the things in your life in this past week. And how many of the things that you were dealing with in your life was your response of one of praising God. That means that you created in his image, now recreated in his image, the glory of God is reflected. That glory is not just that God can save a wretched sinner, which of course he can and does. We are all wretched sinners, originally. But that he can and does restore you to love God. And all the things that he uses with you in your life are a part of that. So the essence of what this statement is all about is expanded a bit than in what Paul says in our text this evening, Romans 8, 28. All things work for good for those who love God. Ultimately, good is none other than salvation. There's a lot of discussion in our world about a lot of different ideas about what is good and what isn't. For God, it is the salvation of his people. There is nothing good apart from that. But let's not all of a sudden go from what God must do then to what I must do. As in, because you love God, then these things will all be good for you. And if you don't love God enough, well, then... It's because you didn't work hard enough. It's not that all of a sudden we're back to, again, what must I do? Remember, it's the single focus of God that we are talking about. Grace is a very simple question. Where does the love for God come from that you have in your heart? 
How is it possible that when you are dealing with difficult things in your life, that you praise God with your response to them? Because God is working that in your heart. How is your love for God more intense today than maybe last year or 10 years ago? This is not, it can never be about God responding to what you have done. It is not a matter that the more love that you've been able to generate within yourself, that then somehow God is in control and less difficult things happen for you. We are still talking about the single focus of God. And his focus is to work the love of God in you. That is simply what salvation is, that you love God. And when God works salvation in you, then you have the love of God in you. And that love of God is evident in your life. Now what are the struggles? in your life? How does the politics of the day affect you? How much have you struggled or enjoyed? I don't think there's been anybody who's enjoyed it, but how much have you struggled with the economics of the day? How has shootings every other day affected you? When we confess that all things are for my salvation, or even as Paul puts it, that all things are for good, it does not mean that God is going to turn everything into a positive thing. It doesn't mean, well, if I love God enough, but we were all as a nation more faithful to God, if we were to see the love of God more prevalent, certainly when the word of God is, is there and is heard and is received, then that is evident in our lives. But the things are real. There are many things every day in your life that are real and they are a struggle. It, but it does mean that these things will not derail God's purpose for you. Which in itself is a pretty great, no matter what the consequences. And yes, there are quite serious things that we deal with. We rejoice in everything. Because it has to do with our salvation. Nothing is going to ruin that. Nothing will take God's eyes off of that. But again, not because ultimately for our glory, but for God's glory. But more than that, when we think about how we respond, we need to ask this. Are you going to keep your eyes on what you know is God's focus? Are you going to let things turn you away from what you know is God's focus, your salvation, your love for God and the things of God? Are all of those things going to work on your salvation, growing in trust, growing in faith, and growing in service to God? You see, the confession, when it says that all things work together for my salvation, has to do with your life, in every part of it, in every aspect of your life. In Ephesians, Paul says this about all things. He says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is not just me no matter what. You must say thank you to God. That we have to sort of, well, it's really tough, but yeah, I'm supposed to say thank you to God when this happened or that happened. No, it's really rather understanding that all things are for my salvation. And yes, I certainly want to thank God for that. I certainly do not want anyone to think that I or we can make light of anything which anyone is dealing with. I know that some of you are dealing with very difficult things. We deal with very difficult things in the world around us. But I do want to encourage you today is what we should keep in mind when we are dealing with life. That all things in your life will have either one of two possible effects. It will either drive you away from God and express in allowing the things to get between you and God, or it will strengthen you in your faith, expressed in your greater an even bolder expression or exercise of your life of faith. God does test the church. God tests every individual. Sometimes we don't do all that well when we're tested. And yes, ultimately because of the single focus of God, it is that very testing of God's people by which ultimately the church is strengthened, God's focus of salvation is accomplished, and it does not fail because it is God. But the question you need to ask yourself, is that love of God truly alive in your life? I trust that it is, and I trust that it is seen with his people in his church. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we are so aware that were we left up to ourselves and our focus, we would fail. And so we are thankful, O oh God, that we are not dependent upon where our eyes are at but where yours are. We trust that you, the sovereign God, who in eternity has called unto yourself, that you will indeed carry out that call, build your church, proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, and that we would be used of you unto that end. May that single focus ever be clear to us, and may we respond in confidence and in joy in the midst of all things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.